0: to the Thornapple Valley Church podcast. Thank you for joining us. Our hope is for you to be encouraged and to connect with God during this message. if you 'd like to know more about Thornapple Valley Church, visit tbcweb.com All right, so today i 'm going to jump kind of right into it uh, i 'm not going to kind of make my way there i 'm going to go right in uh, maybe to some just deeper thoughts right away. Um, but I wanted to kind of, after, after looking at my message, I understand that it maybe can be a lot. And so what I wanted to do is just prepare you kind of the, the, the structure of today's message. I want to lay out an idea for you. So the first part is me laying out this idea. Then I want to build just a little bit of foundation to it. And then lastly, I want to get to my main point. So if we're like 20 minutes in or 25 minutes in, I'm like, so here's my point. And you guys are like, oh, this guy is going to take forever. I promise it's getting towards the end, Hopefully. So, I'm going to start out with asking some questions to you guys. So questions about Christianity, questions about uh, Jesus, and what I want you to do is, you don't have to raise your hand or talk about it, but I want you to answer honestly with yourself if you relate to these questions or not. So the answer yes and the answer no, but the key is the word relate. And so when I'm asking do you relate to this question, does that mean that it actually affects the way you live your life? Because you could answer yes to one of these questions in your mind, like, okay, yeah, I've heard that, I believe that, but it doesn't affect the way I live. And some of you might be like, yeah, I, I, I believe that and it does affect my, the way I live. So when I ask these questions, just, uh, just answer them in, in your own mind. And so the first question, and, and you'll notice that I start kind of vague and I kind of get closer, 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 and it brings it in. And so the first question is, does God exist? Does God exist? And more so, does the Christian God exist? And so the, the, the God that created the heavens and the earth, created the humans, created me and you, and created all the animals, all these things, does he exist? That's the first question. And then even more than that, after he created everything, we as humans are broken and messed up, so God sent his only son Jesus to die on the cross for our sins and forgiveness, and to raise again, conquer death. Right, so if we choose Jesus... To follow him, we will be saved. That's the second question. Is that true for you? If, if it's not, that's okay. But those two questions, I would say, for the mass, ma- mass majority of us here, would say, okay, yeah, that, that's me. Because those are the fundamentals to, Chris- to Christianity. That, that there's this God who created the heavens, the earth created us, and then there's Jesus who we follow, we are saved. So the next question, and I think this is the first question that I think you could ask, Does this change the way that I live my life? And it's, does Jesus love you? Do you believe that? Do you believe that Jesus loves you? And and I think that 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 simple statement, it seems simple, but it means so much in our life. And so now there's this God who created us, who sent Jesus, Jesus loves us. But even more than that, does Jesus want to have a face-to-face personal relationship with you? More than just following him to be saved, but does he speak to you? and can you hear him and can he can uh, you speak to him and him hear you so it's this idea of speaking to each other and hearing each other do you believe that does that relate to you does that change the way you live your life and so i'll keep going here the next question is that no matter what so yes jesus loves us yes i can have a relationship but how about this, no matter what, no matter what you've done in the past, no matter what you're doing right now, no matter what you'll do in the future, no matter how messed up you are, no matter how bad of things that you've done in your life, no matter what, Jesus wants to connect, you with, connect with you right now. In other words, you don't have to get this right, get this right, get this right, or get this right to connect with God or walk in his presence. He says exactly how you are right now in this moment, you can walk into my presence and we can connect. Do you believe that? And I know that maybe the questions at this point, that question might be something where, yeah, I do believe that. But do I walk that out, that intimacy piece, where, wow, no matter what I do, Jesus wants to connect? So these next two questions are, uh, I guess they get a little weirder. So kind of jump off a cliff here. And so if you... uh, If you feel like these next ones you don't relate with or it's a little weird or awkward or uncomfortable, that's okay. I want you to feel that way. So, the next one. Do you believe that more than Jesus loving you and unconditionally loving you, do you believe he is jealous for you? Do you believe he's jealous for you? And so this is more than just loving you. This is more than just saying, yeah, I know Jesus loves me, God loves me, but is he jealous for you? In in other words, is he desperately seeking your love and your attention? Does he desperately want to spend time with you? More than anything else in the entire world, would he choose to spend time with you? Do you believe that God sees you that way? That he's jealous for your affection? And he's jealous to show you his affection? Okay, so this next question is for the weirdos. So, do you believe... That Jesus is your bridegroom and you're Jesus' bride. So the Bible talks about this. In other words, the only relationship that we can manage to 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 understand in our earth in our earthly relationships that connects to what the possibility of connection is with Jesus is marriage. That He uses that example. Would you call Jesus your beloved? Would you say that Jesus calls you his beloved? And I know that that kind of sounds weird. Maybe for some of you, you're like, okay, I get you. You're the weirdos in the room. But then the other ones are like, I don't connect with that. But this is what I want to say. I actually don't think it's weird. I don't think it should be weird. I want to suggest that it's maybe supposed to be more normal. That if you see how I ask these questions... I think I'm guilty of a lot of times stopping at question one, two, or three. Probably around three, right? Maybe four. So you believe that, yes, I follow Jesus, and that means I'm saved. And I know he loves me. And I think so often we stop there, but as I'm reading in the Bible, and we'll get into intimacy more, I'm seeing I think there is more. And if we stop simply at the idea that Jesus loves me, so I'm following him, I'm saved, I think we miss out is the fullness of what God has right now. That salvation is our rescue from the sentence of death because of sin. It's a beautiful thing. We talked about this in Amazing Grace, a song we just sang. That salvation is amazing and it's so awesome that God did this. And we could talk so long about this. But I believe that's the starting point. That that's the starting point of our lives. That salvation is our rescue from a sentence of death because of sin. But intimacy is to define our life with him. That those first couple questions are the beginning. But I believe that there's more. In Philippians 4.19 it says. And my God will supply. Every need of yours. According to his riches in glory. In Christ Jesus. And my God will supply. Every need of yours. According to the riches of his glory. In Christ Jesus. That I believe that God desires us to understand this verse deep down in our hearts. And when I'm talking about this idea of supplying what you need, I'm not talking about, and he does do this, but I'm not talking about the physical needs that we need. We've talked about in the past, uh, and in the Bible, it talks about how, how God will supply those things, that God does it. If he takes care of the birds, he'll take care of us. He takes care of the physical things. But what I think he means here is he knows how to supply what our hearts need. And he knows how to supply what our minds need because our hearts are in turmoil. Our minds are in turmoil. And oftentimes, we seek to so many other things. But I'm talking about when Jesus says he can supply everything, I believe he's talking about what we need in our hearts and minds. And this means intimacy. This means there needs to be intimacy. And that can be a scary thing. To say that Jesus is my bridegroom, to say that he's my beloved one, that can be weird. It can feel weird. But the Bible talks about this in the, in the, song, in the book Song of Solomon in, in the Bible. And so this is written by the author Solomon. Pastor Jeff talked about Solomon last week. And so if you didn't hear that message, it was really good. Uh, shameless plug, you should go listen to that. Um, but he talked about this guy, Solomon, and he wrote this book. That was this amazing love story, amazing love poem. And it can be interpreted in different ways. But one way that it can be interpreted in is that it's the relationship that is possible between us and Jesus. That it's possible. And it's, as you read this book, you see the word beloved in some way or fashion is said about 39 times. That there's this perspective of this love story happening. And, and a couple of verses from it, Song of Solomon 6.3 says, I am my beloved's and my beloved is mine. 7.10 I am my lovers. I'm all he wants. I'm all the world to him. That I'm reading this, I'm saying, wow, is that the way Jesus sees us? Is he jealous for us in that way? That he, we mean the world to him. That he wants to actually supply every need of ours. And if you keep looking at this, the Bible, it's full of these references. The, The disciple John one of the close guys to Jesus would often refer to himself as the one whom Jesus loved. He would refer to himself in this way of the beloved of Jesus. And, and John 13, 23 says, Now there was leaning on Jesus' bosom, leaning on his chest, one of his disciples whom Jesus loved. That Jesus, or that uh, John pressed into Jesus. He would lay on his chest. There was some kind of intimacy there that I see in the Bible. As I'm thinking about these stories, I've come to the conclusion... That there's more. There's more to our relationships with Jesus than those first couple steps. And those are amazing steps. (laughs) That we get to be saved by following Jesus. That we know he loves us. But there is an intimacy that we can step into from what I'm looking at in the Bible. Where we can walk into Jesus supplying everything that we need. So that was my first part. I, I wanted to pose this idea to you. What if there's more? What if there's more to this idea of intimacy? So then going into my second part of the message, I want to talk about just what intimacy is and, and talk about that. So what, if we are called to more intimacy, well, what does that look like? And intimacy is close familiarity or friendship, closeness. And, it, and a good way to say it is you knowing somebody and being known by somebody. Knowing someone and being known in a cheesy way to say it. And I don't know quite where I've heard this, but it's, it's into me you see. So take intimacy, it's in to me you see. So it's the idea of letting somebody, letting God see into me. It's about being vulnerable. And I like using the house analogy where oftentimes we let Jesus into our lives, which means we let him into our living room, our kitchen, all these tidy, cleaned up areas. But we fail to let him into our bedrooms, our closets, our bathrooms, the dirty places of our life. But when we're intimate, into you, into me you see... We're letting God in to those vulnerable places in our life. And in Psalm 139, 23, and 24, it says, Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. It's this idea that there's a lot of stuff going on in us. It really is. We're messed up in a lot of ways. We're trying to figure life out in a lot of ways. We're, we're doing all these things. But when we're open up into me, you see, when we're letting Jesus, look into us, it creates intimacy. And that last line says, and leads me into the way of everlasting. It's the idea of if we can do that, it gives Jesus permission to then supply us with every one of our needs. And so there are many things that I think we deal with, like I was saying, that get in our way of this idea of being vulnerable. The idea of intimacy, there's things in our life that get in the way, such as just our perception of God our perception of people, maybe somebody's hurt us, there's pains, there's different things, not feeling good enough, uh, feeling too busy, failures. I know that I deal with being too busy. And there's so many of these things in our life that get in our way. Oftentimes, we want to feel secure, right? We want to be in control. So we put our security in our finances and what we do and our family and our friends, all these things. All of us in here are dealing with something. And what happens is those things can be intimacy killers, But the thing is, all those things can be intimacy killers, but none of them actually have the power to stop us from connecting with God. None of those things have the power to stop us when we connect to God. So I'm saying that those things are actually going to be happening in our life, probably for the rest of our lives. But it's the idea that intimacy can still happen with God in the midst of those. In Psalm 145, says, the Lord is near to all who call upon his name, to all who call upon him in truth. That intimacy is available to every single person, no matter where we're at or what we're doing. And then the Bible is saying, okay, we're called to something more. And also saying that we can connect without any, with, with nothing stopping us. We can connect no matter what's going on. So then how do we connect? What does that look like? And so here's the cliche a- answered: the the Good answers, but cliche. Okay, I want to connect more with God. I want to feel intimate. I know I'm called to it. What do I do? Well, you should read the Bible, and you should pray more, and you should maybe listen to worship music and go to church. All good things. Really good. You need those to grow. But why can I do those things and still feel a thousand miles away from God? Why can I do all the disciplines in my life that I know are good and know are healthy for me, but I still feel so distant from God? I know that, that even in the last you know, couple weeks ago, as I'm putting this message together, as I'm trying to feel close with God, either I'm trying to really get in the word, and honestly, I went a couple weeks where I realized, man, I'm not in the word of God. The saying that. And, and in this, in me having this experience of both being really into the word and really out of the word, I realized that maybe this isn't the key to intimacy with God, although it's good to be in it. So here, here's The meat. Here's my point. This is what I want to get to. First of all, I believe there's more. I believe the the Bible shows there's more to intimacy with God than just following Him and being saved. That There's stuff that we can get here on earth. And intimacy is into me, you see. It's about being vulnerable. It's about being open with God. And it doesn't necessarily always come through reading the Bible and praying. So how do we get there? And I want to suggest that it's all about your heart posture. Your heart posture. Maybe some of you haven't heard that word before. We heard about normal posture, like your back posture, whatever, but heart posture. So simply put, heart posture is the way that we see, we feel, and we approach our relationship with God in our circumstances. So it's the way we see, feel, and approach God and the circumstances in our life and and with posture. So I don't know if growing up you've ever had your mom or your grandma or someone say, hey, stand up straight, fix your posture. Uh, I know I did. I would be a sloucher. So my mom would tell me, stop slouching. And she drilled that into me growing up. And the thing is, if you listen, then it's a really good thing for your back and everything. But maybe some of you in here didn't listen to that. And uh, you kind of kept in that bad posture. And you might actually have back pains today because of bad posture. Because bad back posture can lead to future pain. And actually, when I was a freshman in high school, I broke my back playing football. And so my posture was all kind of messed up. So I had to get a back brace, which it would force me to stand up straight. So even if I wanted to slouch, I couldn't, it would hurt. So I had to stand up straight. And through that discipline of correcting my posture, my back was eventually fixed. And so I believe, just like our, we can have bad back posture and we can fix our bad back, back posture so is our heart that we need to fix our bad heart posture and again heart posture is the way we see feel and approach God in the circumstance in our life so maybe we have a broken way that we're seeing a situation in front of us or a broken way that we're seeing or approaching God because our heart posture is broken so I'm going to go ahead and say about six different signs if you relate to one of these you might have bad heart posture. And I check a lot of these boxes as well. So, do you find yourself overwhelmed with life so you forget or do not want to spend time with God? Do you find yourself angry with God causing you not to go to Him? Do you find yourself having excess complaining in your life? Do you have bitterness in your life that causes no desire for intimacy? When you have a failure what do you do? Do you press into God or do you push yourself away? And when getting into the word and praying, do you feel like you're a thousand miles away from God? That, that if one of those things or several of those things relate to you, I believe that you might have a bad heart posture towards those situations, the way you're seeing, the way you're feeling, the way you're approaching those situations or what God's doing in them. And so what should we do? I believe we need to fix our heart posture towards God. We need to fix our heart posture towards God and when looking at this the important word here is fix. It's not just putting our our posture towards God but it's fixing the way we see God. Fixing the way we approach God. Fixing the way that we're taking on a circumstance in our life. To fix our heart on God. So it's I was talking to a a friend the other day about this and he was um, going through some of this and trying to apply it to his life. And so he just got a new dog and he's trying to train this dog to go in the kennel when he leaves for work. And he really needed to do this and he's gonna be late for this meeting that he couldn't be late for. And he was getting so frustrated at this dog, like extremely mad so much, he was like, I wanted to beat that dog. (laughs) I wanted to punch it. I was over it. And he definitely did Deep down didn't want to do that, but anger came up inside of him. And so what he did, he's like, Oh, heart posture. Okay, God, I need to fix my heart posture on you because I'm really mad right now, and I just want to I just want to listen. I just want your help. Like, I'm gonna take my broken heart posture of anger and I'm gonna put it towards you. And so he took a moment. He didn't necessarily hear or feel, or the situation wasn't all so magically fixed, and the dog went in the kennel and fell asleep. No, the dog was still. Being bad, so he ended up putting him in the laundry room and said, I'm just gonna put you there, and I had to go to work. But he realized as he was driving to work, all of the anger had left him. That he was no longer upset about the situation. He realized the situation wasn't fixed. He's gonna have to do work to, to train the dog, but he realized God had completely taken the anger from him. And I know that's a simple example of maybe a day-to-day thing. But think about that with anger in general. He could have said, God, I'm so mad right now. I don't want anything to do with, like, I don't want to hear what you have to say. I'm mad at my dog. All of a sudden, he's on his way to work. He feels guilty because he pushed his dog into the kennel. He, He doesn't feel connected with God. But instead... In the midst of anger, said, God, I'm really angry, but I put my heart posture on you. What that does is it creates a place for intimacy to happen in your life with God. It creates space for him to move and give the peace that he needed or to give the next steps that's needed. And that can be applied to anywhere in our life. And in deeper things than that, deeper anger than just at your dog. To stress, to, to busyness, to anxiety. That there's these different things that we all deal with in life and we're all going to deal with in life. But when we have a broken heart posture, it leads to distance between you and God. Not that God wants that, it's we make that distance, right? But when we have that heart posture towards him, no matter the circumstance, even if it's not fixed, it creates this communication with God. In Jeremiah 29, 13, it says, You will seek me and find me, and when you seek me with all of your heart, that when you seek God with all of your heart, it says you will find him. And I think it's hard to seek him with all of your heart if we have a broken heart. If we have a broken heart posture. And so just like when you have to fix your back posture, it might have to, you might have to do it every single day. But eventually it gets better. So this might be something that we have to do every single day. And, and so going back to the cliches, I love reading the Bible. I know it's important. I know it's important to pray, to be at church. Those are all good things. But those are not the things... Like you don't have to have all the ducks in a row before you experience this connection with God. That I think that when we fix our heart posture, it's about the real life right now. What's going on right now, real in life. And it's about fixing your heart posture in those moments. Where will your heart go in times of trouble? Where will your heart go in times of stress, confusion, temptation when you fail? When you have joy, when things are good? It's your heart posture towards him. And so I was, I was reading the, uh, different stories in the Bible of characters that I believe exemplify this idea of heart posture. I was thinking who I should talk about, and I feel like I wanted to talk about the disciple Peter. The disciple Peter, because Peter, he's one of the closest disciples to Jesus. And so he was really tight with them. They had a great relationship. And so much so that, that Peter actually became the leader of the early church. And so there's something great about Peter, like he has something figured out. But as I read about his life, he was pretty messed up. He had a lot of highs and a lot of lows. So I want to just go over his, his life and talk about some things with him. And so there's this moment when uh, Jesus is asking some questions, and Peter answers right. And so I'm going to read the scripture. Matthew 16, 17 through 19. Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, For this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you, Peter, you are Peter. And on this rock I will build my church. And the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. This is an amazing moment for Peter. Peter. He feels so close to God. I don't know if you can relate to this. Maybe a moment in your life where you felt like you were on cloud nine with God. If you're a student in here, if you're at a fusion camp, you know, you had that moment. Maybe you you went to an all-out worship night or a message just hit home with you. Or you're in a Bible study. You're just in a season of life where you're like, oh, I am on cloud nine. I could never, nothing's ever going to stop me. I'm close to God. He just spoke his calling into my life. I felt all these things. Peter felt that. And I believe that we, many of us, have had those moments as well. But... Moments later, Jesus is telling Peter about some stuff that's going to happen. And this is what he says in Matthew 16. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Far be it from you, Lord, he said, that, shall, that shall, this shall never happen to you. But Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me, for you do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. So just one moment ago, he's on cloud nine, and now he's like, oh, I'm so focused on myself, I'm being so selfish, like I'm putting all of my thoughts and my stuff on me and not God and not what he has. And I think we can relate to that too where maybe we're in a season even right now where we feel like we're not connecting with God and we are just got it all wrong and we can see that season that we were on cloud nine and we're like, where did I mess up? What am I not doing right? Because I am now over here in the lowest of lows. Peter felt both of those things. And, And there were also times in Peter's life where he was completely passive towards God. He, had, he was supposed to maybe be obedient to God or he was supposed to be uh, uh, listening to God and passionate for God, but he wasn't. He was maybe not passionate for God in this moment. Uh, in the moment that Jesus needed him, he said, can you keep guard for me as he's going to go meet with the Father before he's about to go into to experience his crucifixion. And Peter falls asleep, Matthew 26, 40. Then Jesus returned to the disciples and found them sleeping. Were you not able to keep watch for me for one hour? He's, he asked Peter. So it's this idea of Peter being this, one of the leaders of the disciples, the leader of the early church had these moments where he, he was just disobedient to God. He couldn't stay awake for one hour. He was passive. But then again, moments later, these guards came to take Jesus and all the passion that was dead a moment ago, all of a sudden is there. He takes out his sword and he cuts the guard's ear off. Jesus heals the ear, so it's all good. But it's this moment of no passion and a moment of passion. It's a moment of connection and no connection. I know that maybe some of you have felt on fire for God in your life, but then now you feel like you're not. And this is the part that gets me the most. This part hits it home for me. Peter was one of the closest disciples to Jesus, like I was saying. I mean, one of the inner three. He loved Jesus. He loved Jesus. Jesus so much that he quit his job he followed him anywhere go. he goes go he got rid of all of his possessions and he followed Jesus all the way to the end of his life he died for Jesus he loved him that much but then he also denied him three times So the idea, if he was so close, he was so connected with God for those moments, and he felt like he was on cloud but he still, he denied Jesus three times when Jesus needed him. When Jesus was about to die, he denied him. And so I look at our life in that way. Man, we're all over the place. We might have a good day, we have a bad day we feel connected, we don't feel connected, we walk in sin and disobedience, we walk in obedience, whatever it is, we're, we're on this, everyone's on this roller coaster of life. But God used Peter to be the leader of the early church. He was very close to Peter. There was intimacy there. But how? I think it was Peter's heart posture I think it was his heart posture that no matter if he failed or he succeeded, no matter where he was, his heart always turned back to Jesus. Even when he realized I messed up, he picked it up off the ground and he looked at Jesus and where, what would you do if I just denied Jesus three times, the last time that I saw him and then he died I think that maybe I'd feel a little guilt, a little shame and maybe not feel like I could be close to God anymore. Maybe some of you in your life, you've done things or you feel these things or you feel disconnected and you feel like you can't actually attain that closeness with God. But what Peter did is he didn't let those things, maybe they're roadblocks to intimacy, but he didn't let them have the power to stop it. And so he did the exact opposite of running away. He actually ran towards Jesus. Really more literally, he jumped out of a boat and swam towards Jesus. So so Peter went back and he was going back to his old job and he was fishing and he, he had denied jesus and then jesus died and he hasn't seen him and all of a sudden jesus appears on the shore after he was resurrected and he goes hey friends i'm over here and peter in that moment could have been like oh crap uh i feel like i can't be connected to him i denied him but no he's like ah i know i messed up but i'm jumping in the water And while the other disciples took the boat in peter was swimming in the water towards jesus And the first thing Jesus did when he saw him was he made him breakfast. Had this intimate moment. And to make this go full circle, not only was there connection that happened because Peter had his heart posture towards Jesus, remember when I said that Jesus can supply everything that you need? In that moment, at breakfast, you know, no one else in the world knows, but Peter knows he's feeling some guilt, he's feeling some shame. So Jesus goes, Peter, do you love me? He goes, yeah, Jesus, I love you. No, Peter, do you love me? Yeah, yeah, Jesus, I love you. One more time. Peter, do you love me? Jesus, of course, you know that I love you. And then in that moment, there was restoration that happened in Peter's life. That he had denied Jesus three times and Jesus knew what his heart needed. He knew he needed to know that it was okay. He knew that... he needed to feel that forgiveness, that restoration, and Jesus supplied him with what his heart needed. But I'm convinced that that wouldn't have happened like that if Peter would have ran away. If he would have said, I, I, there's too much going on in my life, I'm, I'm too busy, or I'm too uh, full of shame, or I'm not good enough. If he would have ran away from Jesus, maybe he wouldn't have had that moment. But he fixed his heart posture on Jesus. And even in the midst of his messed up, trying to figure it out life, He went to Jesus, and Jesus supplied what he needed. And so to end this today, I don't know where where all of you guys are with everything, and maybe, honestly, the one takeaway that I want to give you is just maybe there's more. To introduce you to the idea that there is more, that I am fully convinced with all of my heart there is more to following Jesus than saying that amazing prayer that gets you into heaven and you feel his forgiveness and that's awesome and knowing that he loves you. But I think there is so much more that there's this idea of Jesus is my beloved and I am his. There's something that only he can fulfill in my life and that I don't think I can get there unless I fix my heart on him and allow him because he's not a God that's gonna pressure and push. He's a gentle God of love. And when you allow your heart to be open to him, he begin to move so maybe for you the next step is just wow this is new to me this perspective of that intimacy with Jesus is, is, is not what I've ever heard but for other, others of you maybe the next step is this put it on your phone write it somewhere fix my heart posture towards God because if in real life we can start to do that I believe we're going to have intimate moments with Jesus and I believe that we're called to it. So let's, let's retrain our hearts. Let's fix our heart postures towards Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, I love you. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for who you are. Uh, God, we're dealing with a lot. All of us have different things in here, Lord. And I think that for most of us, if not all of us, our heart cry would be, yeah, we want to be close to you. We want to know you. So God, if there's any barriers or roadblocks that are trying to say they have power over our intimacy with you, I ask that you would just take those roadblocks away and you say that they don't have power. Lord, that we would fix our hearts on you just like Peter did, God, that he went through all the, the highs and the lows, Lord, but what he did is he kept going towards you. He got not only the restoration he needed, but he got his calling. Lord, so I just ask as we go for, from here, Lord, that you would help us fix our hearts on you. Lord, that we would all experience new levels of intimacy. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, have a wonderful weekend, and we are going to have a prayer team up here if you guys would like some extra prayer. Thank you for listening to the Thornapple Valley Church Podcast. If you found this message encouraging, we invite you to share it. For more information, visit tvcweb.com.